1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: We love performance, and you know it's true. Love to study musicals, it's the passion that we do. Come and hear our podcast stream. And yes, we worked real hard to cobble this song, this week's podcast theme. Hear us talk of our story. Exploring Broadway films with both highs and lows, with dancers' blistered feet. Little fluff stuff from an era, innocent and beat. Hidden meanings, far-right leanings, who rule the industry, <gasps> the, the GOP! GOP? We're, we're side by pride side. We're, we're glorified, where education drives the listeners to
0: talking musical history.
1: Welcome, 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 folks, to TMH, Talking Musical History Podcast, where we look at musicals through inc- the inclusive lens of our story.
0: And I am Chris. And I'm Kevin. Yeah, and we're going to have a really fun time. And we thank you for your patience in sticking with us as we have episodes when we are able to. So We'll continue to bring you more talking musical history as we continue. Talk about 42nd Street and a little bit about The
1: Hayes Code and Busby, Berkeley and of course, uh, Ginger Rogers, yes. uh, one of the greatest performers. And uh, um, all of this is leading up to... Um, We're
0: leading to the next cast in Singing in the Rain. I love it. Oh,
1: yeah. 42nd Street, uh, one of the musicals that definitely inspired uh, Singing in the Rain, a way of creating dynamic moving shapes and images and chevrons and whatever busby berkeley is pretty much like making the same film every time he's like he's like the musical version of michael bay and we're going to talk about him and we're going to obviously talk about the new deal because that's happening around the Mm -hmm. same time yeah and we're also going to talk about the 42nd street clones you know, you got gold diggers of 1933 well, they're, they're,
0: and 1939
1: Well, they're precursors and post-curses, I'll say. The New Deal was a series of programs, public work projects, financial reforms, and regulations enacted by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the United States between 1933 and 1939. And uh, 42nd Street uh, comes out at the beginning of that, uh, 1933. In and-
0: this time period, Bradford Ropes wrote the original book... Four Forty Second Street, I read it, and it's a novel. I didn't read all the, all the whole thing, but I got the gist of um, it. I
1: read somewhere that, like, the director of the show in 42nd Street is supposed to be gay.
0: Maybe this is where Julian started to be, like, quote-unquote, a gay name. You know, because it's a joke. It's like, you took all the good names from us, like Bruce and Julian, you know. In the original Bradford Ropes novel, Julian and Billy are lovers since same-sex relationships were unacceptable in films by the moral standards, Hays Code, of the era, the studio substituted a romance between Billy and Peggy instead. Um, Although in one scene, as director Julian Marsh puts his arm around choreographer Andy Lee, and he asks if he has a date for the evening, who replies, no. Immediately, Marsh replies, no. Come on home with me, will you? I'm lonesome.
1: <laughs> right? And then, like, you're thinking, oh, I know where that's going. But it
0: doesn't go anywhere because of the haze Code. And, you know, you'd think maybe in the musical, like, with an update. Right. But no. The
1: boy he's interested isn't really gay. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's now like, oh
0: no! Well, he's not
1: really gay either.
0: Given the time, the fact that there was even writing about it at all, I think, says that they were pushing boundaries. So, I think in our context, it could be viewed as as racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic, and all that. But the fact that it was happening, thirty one, the book, there was references to Bill Robinson, Bojangles, the Schubert brothers. Sam and Jacob of the Schubert theaters. The, one of the quotes from the book puts directly into context about what all about 42nd Street. This is spoken by Julian Marsh's character. Your speech on sentiment was admirable. Sigh. It's a it's a minus quality in our profession. I'm accepting your offer not because I have any flaming passion for you two boys, but for the good and sufficient reason that I hope to make a little money. The book talks about abortion and gay men, and all of that is removed by the time that it makes it to a a show. The novel of Prohibition, it depicts the city awash in alcohol of dubious quality and flasks and bottles being transported with impunity speakeasies abounding and as a result gangsters not only proliferating but making inroads into respectable society. So there's where 42nd Street line of, you know, the underworld comes to meet the elite. Not much is known about the author, but he was a dancer and had a high level of knowledge he imparted to others about his show business at the time. His following novel was Stage Mother, movie with music by Arthur Freed and Nacio Herb Brown, also released by MGM. In addition to Singing in the Rain, another connection there, he also wrote many Western stories and screenplays for Abbott and Costello.
1: Oh, that's so cool. Abbott and Costello is one of my favorites. Uh, If you haven't seen any work by Abbott and Costello, I strongly suggest it. The
0: film, 1933 film, was directed by a famed vaudeville actor and co-star to Charlie Chaplin, Lloyd Bacon, as we see such stars, such as B.B. Daniels, who was the first on-screen Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, 1910 short. The famous, at the time, pair, Dick Powell and Ruby Keeler, married and named by the press, Ms. Al Jolson. He's
1: always around.
0: And the legend herself, of the 15th film she was in at the time, Gorgeous Ginger Rogers. What
1: does Singing in the Rain and Ginger Rogers have in common? What? Ginger Rogers is named uh, Virginia Catherine McNabb. And uh, now let me tell you how they relate. Ginger is pretty much uh, Don Lockwood. Starts off like, you know, dancing in like, you know, like random spots and performing in random spots. And then like he gets on the vaudeville and, you know, like she this is her life, too. She would be one of RKO's top female star performers for much of the 1930s. She would work on as many as 17 other films before 42nd Street came out. And that was before Fred Astaire. She performed in 93 films and earned an Oscar. So Ginger's mother, Layla, was a writer that encouraged her to follow her passions, and she would. It all started in a Charleston competition in 1925 in Dallas, where Ginger began her award-winning career. Ginger described the experience like this. I loved the feeling of being on. The music started, and then the contagious Charleston triggered my toes. The Charleston wasn't difficult. Anyone who could lift one foot off the floor could learn to dance. The music had an exciting and compelling beat. And once you started, you never wanted to stop. Ginger representing Fourth Worth and defeating uh, a male Dallas competitor in an encore. Um, now that that's a movie, man. With a group called Ginger and the Redheads. And uh, uh, her cousin Peppy was in it too. So this eventually landed Ginger in gigs at Broadway, um, debuting in the musical Top Speed. In a lot of ways, Ginger reminded me of Debbie Reynolds, right, from Singing in the Rain as well. Like, that's the other connection, right? Well, now. even her middle name. Yeah, right? Debbie Reynolds, just like Ginger Rogers, like, they didn't really learn to dance. They just did it. Oddly enough, to to connect it to our previous podcast of, uh, um, the of the, jazz yeah, the jazz singer, Ginger Rogers, Lucille Ball, and Lucy Arnaz danced the Charleston on uh the
0: Lucy show. Oh wow, that w- would have been kick ass. But to be there you in have to person see them por- in and person? Yeah. and also like even to be one of those actors, to be in the space of that other actor, you know, between Lucy Ball and Ginger Rogers. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, no, they, they, between they the fun. two of them, that would have been an, an amazing experience to be either one of them in the presence of, of the other Ginger Ginger uh, mentions
1: that a director said to her, look, if you would learn how to dance and learn how to sing and learn how to act, you'll get somewhere. But otherwise, no. How wrong he was. She must have thought to herself, it's like, wait a second. Did I win that Charleston competition? Huh? Did I? Did I tour, like, all over the country? Huh, was I on Broadway? All right, whatever. Uh, she never really said
0: who the director was. I
1: kind of feel like it might have been Busby Berkeley.
0: Could have been. You know, thinking about both of them, I think that sometimes Busby Berkeley is given more credit than G- Ginger Rogers was and Ginger Rogers worked twice as hard than Busby Berkeley did. Yeah,
1: right. Well, I mean, like, I don't want to. I don't want to say Busby Berkeley didn't work hard. They're, they're both. But, they're both brilliant in their but craft. I, I bet. I bet if Ginger would have directed some of those, maybe, maybe maybe some of them wouldn't have lost as much money. In an interview on ICTN, Ginger told the story of how she wondered how a human like him could be in control of her career, and why would he give her such a scolding? She definitely did not deserve it. Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. But when talent chooses to work hard, you better clear the floor, boys, because that's Ginger Rogers. This is, like, my problem with Busby Berkeley. His movies tend to be a little bit recycled, right? Like, and there's nothing, I like, recycling is super important. Yes, we should all recycle. But, like... You know, you don't, you don't make something worse with recycling. You make something better and useful with recycling. That's
0: the plan. The queens that take the trash and make it look like trash on the runway. For, exactly, right? They don't get very far. Or, or the,
1: the Heidelberg Project in Detroit. Uh, 1933, uh, basically RKO grabbed her out of contract uh, right from the nose of the Warner Brothers team. Uh, 1940 is when she won that Oscar we talked about. Her having an affair with uh, Howard Hughes and whatever, you know, his wooing. And then, you know, at the same time, they're, you know, still like romantic interests in Katharine Hepburn. I saw The Aviator and like, you know... That was a nice story, but I feel like Ginger Rogers would have been a more compelling story to tell.
0: Yeah, me too. Right? I really want to see Ginger Rogers' life portrayed on big screen. And at the end, near the end of her life, I saw her in Rodgers and Hammerstein's
1: Cinderella as The increased regulation of on screen sexuality due to the Hayes Code uh, made Fred and Ginger's uh, sort of on screen chemistry very interesting because they would make their dances sort of simulate the idea of them, like, you know, uh, having the relationship, going through seduction and all of that. And that brings us to the other breakout from 42nd Street, and that would be Busby Berkeley, right? Uh, Because this would be the start of his film career, building a lot of musicals that people would ooh and ah in film school uh, decades to come. Busby Berkeley invented many cinematic styles to portray dance, and he most definitely worked hard to refine them. So both of his parents were actors, right? So he has a a career in theater, generated a lot of Hollywood's, you know, male gaze culture musicals, Uh, would also feature, you know, blackface, yellowface, homophobic humor. I personally believe that uh, uh, what the art that we create can help shape society. So when we push art like that, we shouldn't be surprised that we end up in a spot where we are. Yeah. But if we you know, push inclusive pieces that make us sort of think about the realm we're in, we get more diversity and creativity, which is amazing. And change two films with ginger rogers obviously right we mentioned the 42nd street and gold diggers of 1933 before she went over to rko and uh ginger's outfits in these by the way just to like talk about ginger uh for a moment uh that the gold outfit in gold diggers i just bravo a strongly influenced rather by zigfield right uh florence zigfield and had never taken a dance lesson in his life he was actually uh, rough on his dancers basically making them work long hours he wasn't really like an abusive person per se he's
0: a hardcore perfectionist
1: huh i thought you would have been able to do better than that busby berkeley like ginger learned by watching then doing as a choreographer busby berkeley was less concerned with dancing skill of performers as he was with their ability to form themselves in attractive geometric patterns large numbers of showgirls and props as fantasy elements in kaleidoscopic on-screen performances. And even though 42nd Street was directed by Buzzley Berkeley, he was not the choreographer. His musical numbers were among the largest and best regimented on Broadway. That's that that is a weird compliment. Uh, Berkeley's style of moving formations and precision most likely came from his time in the military. Berkeley was deployed to France at the end of the Second War. And Busby Berkeley devised ideas for complex military drills, much like we see in the movie Stripes with Bill Murray. Right? So Busby Berkeley got the opportunity to choreograph a dozen Broadway musicals before he started uh, shooting motion pictures. Motion pictures gave him the ability to craft what he was trying to do on stage. He, uh, Busby Berkeley was a driver uh, much like the uh, dance choreographer on 42nd Street added an otherworldly dreamlike quality to the motion picture era. And you can definitely see that in the the gold diggers of 1935 with the the piano scene. And,
0: you know, if you watch the new In the Heights movie, you'll see some of that inspired as wow, well. That movie is
1: so beautiful. Like that took Busby Berkeley to like a level that I don't know if he would have understood. No, but Busby Berkeley is a a really fascinating character. And, like, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, say less of him because he wasn't necessarily a choreographer. He built very beautiful films. But uh, um, let's move on to talking about...
0: The Music by Al Dubin and Harry Warren. And they wrote a lot of the Tin Pan... They're known from Tin Pan Alley... And kind of brought that way to Broadway. Dubin was another Russian Jew, uh, immigrated from the United States from Switzerland when he was two years old. A cup of coffee and a sandwich for you was his first big hit. Tiptoe through tulips. Tip through to
1: the tulips through the mm, And do, do, do Num tip to
0: the Tulips with me. They wrote Forty Second Street. You're getting to be a habit with me, young and healthy, shuffle off to, to be a
1: habit with me. me.
0: And shuffle off to Buffalo. Between 1932 and 1939, they wrote 60 hit songs for Warner Brother movie musicals, including Gold Diggers of 1933, mm-hmm. Footlight Parade, Roman Sandals starring Eddie Cantor, Dames Go Into Your Dance, and Wonderbar starring Al Jolson. The song Lullaby of Broadway was written by both of them for the, so- for the musical Gold Diggers 1935 and won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. And that
1: ended up getting into the musical version of 40 Seconds.
0: Yeah, and Harry Warren, born Salvatore Antonio Guanara, uh, was an American composer and lyricist who well, who wrote with Al Dubin, and won Oscars for... or. Uh, Lullaby of Broadway, you'll never know. On the Atchison, Topeka and the Santa Fe, over decades. They wrote over 4 decades, over 800 songs. I, I only have eyes for you. He
1: he he made all the songs that people sang in that whole period of time. You right?
0: must have been a beautiful baby. Right? Yeah. Jeepers, creepers, creepers, where'd you get, get those, those peepers?
1: And who knew that would become a, a, a horror film? Yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: who knew at that point in time? Who knew?
1: <laughs> they could hear it from the Creepy record. The gold, di- the gold
0: Diggers song, which is We're in the Money. Yeah,
1: right, which, which is uh, used on
0: NPR all the time mm-hmm. now. <laughs> That's amore. There will never be another you. The more I see you. At Last, and Chattanooga Choo Choo. Pardon me, boys. Is that the Chattanooga Choo Choo? Track 29! (laughs) So, yeah, they both had, like, really amazing, legendary careers between the two of them. Tin Pan Alley, where a lot of music rights came from around the beginning of the 20th century in New York City, started in 1885, and ending either in the Depression or some date it up to the end of uh, or to the now the beginning of rock and roll in the nineteen fifties. Uh,
1: um, also uh, just to, to add on to that, the nineteen fifties was the worst part of the Hays Code. The
0: movie came out because of the Hays Code. They couldn't mention certain words. Right. So in which was the, the sc- problem with the Maltese Falcon. Right. In the script, lyrics belly was changed to tummy when ginger rogers sings it, she starts by saying bell but then she changes it to tummy a little bit uh when we were watching the movie it reminded me a little bit of like reefer madness in a way
1: in what way like the quality of the picture
0: <laughs> not the qu- just the, the way that some of the people were acting yes yeah completely there there are some really amazing choreography numbers in there and really like oh no it's a beautiful like film. it's a beautiful film pansy was the only african american woman right. who shows up as the is the token african her name is pansy is as, as a mammy type character and she's only in there if she has one line which is forgettable
1: yeah so um 42nd street lives on from the original film that was produced in 1933 mm-hmm. uh, to go to the stage in the 80s. Yeah,
0: 1980 at the historic Winter Garden Theater. And it won the Tony Award for Best Musical, Laurence Olivier for Best Musical, Tony Award for Best Revival. Like, it's it's got a lot of awards and a lot of history. The first start of um, bringing... These classic films to the stage in a musical adaptation was Gigi. Thank heaven for big flops. Um, in 1974, then they thought, well, let's polish up what's from the 1930s and create a jukebox musical out of the... Warren and Dubin classic, 42nd Street, along with Gold Diggers of 1933, which we did watch. I'm t-
1: telling you, jukebox musicals, you know, sometimes.
0: Yeah. They're they're easy. They're accessible. You're already grabbing from the popularity of the songs.
1: Right, right. All you have to do is make a compelling story that people will want to watch more.
0: And Mamma Mia! Right, right. And there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, the Gold Diggers of 1933, which we did watch Roman Sandals, Dames, Gold Diggers of 1935, which we also watched, Go Into Your Dance, Gold Diggers of 1937, which seems to be lost through time. Stage production was also partially written by Johnny Mercer with the song Hard to Get, um, with the song There's a Sunny Side to Every Situation. And then in 2017, The Boulevard of Broken Dreams was added for another jukebox musical, Moulin Rouge, from 1934. Starting off the role in Julian Marsh in 1980, coming off of Chicago, was none other than Jerry Orbach. Oh, Jerry Orbach. Other notable folks that came with the original was jonathan freeman who was the voice of jafar so yeah the only one from the original is jerry orbach and then we had uh, in the broadway 2001 revival and then in 2017 west end sheena easton played dorothy brock and two years later in the Ogonquit playhouse productions Maggie Jones was played by Sally Struthers, along with... Sally Struthers, that's awesome. Sally Struthers. (laughs) All right. Along with Dorothy being played by Rachel York, who also played Lucille Ball in the CBS biofilm Lucy. Lucy. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, and and Life Imitates Art with the show. Due to much of the like in the Peggy role many actors got their start and emerged like Catherine Zeta-Jones in the original London production.
1: Catherine Zeta-Jones is uh, an amazing musical theater talent.
0: Similar to Rent with Jonathan Larson, David Merrick announced director Gower Champion's death from cancer just before the show opened. This would then go on to win 1981 awards for... Drama Desk, Outstanding Choreography, and Costume Design. Theater World Award for a Tony, also for Choreography. In 1984, it received an Evening Standard Award for Best Musical and a Laurence Olivier Award for Best New Musical. Its 2001 revival would continue with the Drama Desk and Tony for Best Revival of a Musical. This was the last American musical... Before the European musical invasion, quote unquote, with Andrew Lloyd, with Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Claude Michel Schoenberg. all of Andrew Lloyd Webber's work—I don't need to name them all. Yeah, that's and, not necessary. <laughs> and Claude Michel for mainly *Miss Saigon* and *Les Mis*.
1: Yeah, they, they, yeah, they did storm, storm through Broadway, didn't they?
0: To this message, we'll
1: be right back. Uh, Forty Second Street was produced by Daryl Zanuck. Every, everyone like talks about like him and his studios and whatnot. Is this, this film was so financially successful that it basically saved Warner Brothers. Like that same year, while they were like putting this out, they were about to get even more money, right? With Gold Diggers of nineteen thirty-three, which was produced by Jack Warner and Robert Lord, and that made three million two hundred thirty-one thousand dollars,
0: equal to forty-five million four hundred twenty-six thousand four hundred seventy-eight dollars in today's standard. Overseas total of eight hundred and forty-three thousand. Gold
1: Diggers of nineteen thirty-five, and that one only grossed one point three million dollars. Starring Ginger Rogers, took the role of Anytime Annie uh, um, at the urging of director uh, Mervin Leroy, right, and so whom she was dating at the time, yes. and this was all during the the Harding administration, right. So um, one of my favorite quotes comes from Dick Powell, the juvenile, out of Gold Diggers of 1935, which is, even though he's wrong, the guest is always right because he pays. Which, which is funny because not many people paid for Gold Diggers of 1935. All of this is in the midst of the Great Depression. And and the New Deal was the remedy that would sort of solve that. And honestly, like uh, uh, the Warner... The Warner Brothers crew was actually very excited about the New Deal, called the 42nd Street a new deal on cinema. Film survived despite the Hays Code, not because of it. I feel like a movie like The Maltese Falcon, which we kind of touched on a moment ago, like it would be better if The Hayes Code didn't exist and it was like a rating system like we have now. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think The Multis Falcon is a good example because it's another movie where they cut the gay out. And,
1: and in this film particularly, it doesn't make sense. The story makes less sense right, exactly. because
0: of it. If you wanted to know more about The Hays Code in relation to uh, mainly gay and lesbian folks across the years... There is an excellent documentary called The Celluloid Closet. And in The Celluloid Closet, they talk a lot about the Hays Code and how when it went into place, it put these restrictions and it changed a lot of the stories like The Maltese Falcon because they wanted to suppress and hide and keep gays and lesbians. At the time, there were no bi or trans. There wasn't even an option or an idea. Even though
1: one of the earliest sound films, like... There's like two team- men
0: dancing together. Right. Yes, And that they do show that in the celluloid closet as well. So
1: the A's code were, were basically this, these don'ts and being careful that were sort of proposed in uh, 1927. Didn't really go into full use and like full solidification until like 1934. 1934 to 19. 19- 54 period of time right this 20 year period of time like only one third of the greatest films are from that era and a lot more films are 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 after that and that's according to AFI the America Films Institute the issue was is that like um the code the code came about because all every state had their own rules around what was appropriate Uh, In this time, Will Hayes, who's a Midwesterner and Presbyterian, and the chairman of the Republican National Committee and Postmaster General. I do want to point out that it does seem very interesting that time and time again, these uh, uh, restrictive characters that really, I feel like, slow down American growth, always tend to be Republican. Uh, The people of Ohio that helped the Hayes Code come into fruition um, recognized the pull and sort of like effect it has on people. And yet the Supreme court doesn't see it as art, which is usually the thing that has effect on people in such a way. The, the, the uh, MPPDA's goal was to have no film produced that will lower the moral standards of those who see it. Hence, the sympathy of the audience should never be thrown to the side of crime, wrongdoing, evil, or sin. Correct standards of life shall be presented on screen and subject only dramatic contrasts. So a small jury would go and review films instead of each individual state reviewing films. Full fruition with the National Legion of Decency in 1934 who wanted the code enforced this was founded by the Archbishop of Cincinnati, John T. McNicholas. So we have the Catholic Church basically trying to control media in the United States. We, we talk about Gold Diggers of 1935, but the true first film that was affected by the Hayes Code legitimately was The Bride of Frankenstein of 1930, uh, 1935. Um, in this film, Frankenstein was supposed to rescue... Um, a statue of Jesus, right? So he's trying to rescue Jesus off of the statue. The cross gets toppled, but instead they had that removed and it becomes like a statue of a bishop instead. Pope Pius XI was worried about the crumbling morality, stating unhealthy and impure entertainment destroys the moral fiber of a nation. <laughs> this became sort of the doctrine of the MPAA the Motion Picture Association of America the motion picture production code was a set of industry guidelines for the self-censorship of content that was applied to the most united states motion pictures released by major studios from 1934 to 1968 this code was an agreement between Paramount MGM Fox Warner Brothers RKO Hal Roach Studios, Universal Pictures, United Artists, Columbia Pictures, and more. All films after 1934 basically needed Hayes' Blessings before exhibition, right? So the code um, basically uh, sort of uh, dictated what was expected when depicting crimes against law, murder, methods of crime, drug trafficking, use of liquor, sexuality, adultery, Scenes of passion, seduction, or rape, sexual perversion, white slavery, cause 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 everyone's super concerned about, I guess white
0: fragility, basically.
1: Yeah, right. Like, come on. You, uh, it happened. Get over it. Um, misogyny, right? It also they also talked about misogyny, interracial relationships, sex hygiene topics like venereal disease. But really it's STI. Um uh childbirth, like like I, I assume because of the Hayes Code, that's why there was like this explosion of like childbirthing things in film, you know? It's like, oh my gosh, we can mm, like, show, show childbirths show the miracle yeah. of birth, right? Yeah. Um but uh, also child genitalia, which makes sense, uh vulgarity, obscenity, profanity costuming so like the costumes like you know the, the gold costume from 1933 that wouldn't hack it religious depiction right and we talked about that with the uh, frankenstein a little bit uh national feeling so it has to be pro-america obviously they even they even had the ability to regulate the title of your film and repellent subjects that is that is such a vague thing repellent to whom And the most important part of the Hayes Code was the bacon ban, which required all Sunday shoes stay on and never be kicked off. Kick off your Sunday shoes, please, Louise. pull me up on my knees. Hayes retired in 1945, and the code came to an end uh, a decade after that, really.
0: Let's take a moment to visit my favorite game show, Guess Guess That that quote! Quote! Hi, I'm Chris, and welcome to Guess Guess That That Quote,
1: Quote, a game where you tell us what you think the relevant quote is referencing. Today, our contestant is Kevin from Michigan. Hi, Kevin. My producers told me that you only respond in song. Yes, I do. (laughs) Lovely. Okay, let's play Guess Guess That That Quote. Quote. Here's the quote. The exhibition is a business. Pure and simple, originated and conducted for profit, not to be regarded as part of the press, of a country, or organs of a public opinion. Is it about Fox News? Aww, poop poop, doo I'm so sorry, Kevin. Or maybe OAN or Newsmax. Sorry, Kevin. Even though your aforementioned companies literally do not uphold to the standards Republicans had set for themselves uh, for past media or truth and decency, um, this blatantly and unconstitutional and later overruled Supreme Court decision, which was reason for the Hayes Code, wink, was Mutual Film Corps versus Industrial Commission of Ohio 1915 which goes to show that sometimes the Supreme Court has people that aren't forward-thinking enough to see the difference between free speech and dangerous speech. How about that, Kevin? GOP on the march for control. And folks, it is a tough line to follow. But here we go. You're right, Kevin. That was a great game show to listen to. Talk about the other references in... uh, 42nd Street.
0: That is for both the 1933 film and the 1980 musical adaptation of that 33 film. Eugene O'Neill. Maggie Speaks. Eugene O'Neill would have given his eye tooth to have written that line. In response to Peggy, oh don't worry about me, I learned all about men in Allentown. Eugene O'Neill was an Irish playwright who disowned his daughter Una for marrying Charlie Chaplin known for works such as Lazarus, Laughed, The Iceman Cometh, Ah, Wilderness, as well as four works that earned him a Pulitzer Prize, Beyond the Horizon, written in 1918, Anna Christie, written in 1920, Strange Interlude, 1928, and A Long Day's Journey Into Night, written in 1941.
1: Well, Eugene O'Neill is definitely a stage favorite, and I... I never knew that his... Uh, <laughs> I never knew this about like the Chaplin connection. Yeah. That's so fun.
0: With an award even named after him, as well as a New York theater and a member of the American Theater Hall of Fame. Eye teeth. The teeth that are directly under your eyes that are also called fangs, cuspids, or canine teeth. The phrase coming from the saying... To give one's eye or to give one's right arm for value of something, this colloquialism only emphasizes the importance of those special teeth. Okay. I had never heard the term before.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. So
0: I looked it up. Actually, that makes sense. It's on Colgate's website. Irving Berlin, one of the most prolific Jewish-born Israel, not not Irving, composers ever lived with hits like easter parade putting on the ritz cheek to cheek white christmas buffalo bill william frederick cody born february 26 1846 died january 10 1917 was an american buffalo hunter u.s army scout and pony express rider indian american fighter actor and impresario who dramatize the fact and flavor of the american west through fictional and melodrama we will also discuss him in another musical as well kitty car a little kid's bicycle by h.c white three-wheeled tricycle with wood wheeled axles Candle in a seat, light blonde, wood finish. Also called a K-car. Yes, this is way before our time, so way we had before. to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Daffodils, a slang term um, for women with blonde hair, who's sexually attractive and attentive, along with other flower names for f- or fruit for women like sugar plum.
1: Oh, this is like, a, this is like hey, honey cheeks, or hey there, sugar
0: plum. Oh, yeah. Angelo and Maxi's, a fictitious place to show how high-class people live. It did have an actual fine steak restaurant that opened in 1996 based around the song 42nd Street. I mean,
1: that makes sense for someone to start a business like that, but um, I feel like 96... Might have been too late, maybe like 1970 or 1980 when the musical came out. But it closed
0: recently. Scanty, sexy panties or briefs. (laughs) Uh, Are those scandalous panties? Pullman used to refer to railroad sleeping cars that were built and operated on the U.S. railroads by the Pullman Company, founded by George Pullman from 1867 to 1968. Is he related to Bill Pullman? Wall Street Jack built. Turning a nursery rhyme into a wise crack about money or Jack raised by yeah. investors. So,
1: like the house that Wall Street Jack built? Yes. That's
0: awesome. Tallulah Bankhead. Preferring the term ambisextrous <laughs> at the time. So, I,
1: she sounds super flexible.
0: I think she'd probably be like Pan. If, if you were, like, in today's vernacular, she'd right, be pansexual. No,
1: I, 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 I like her wordsmithing.
0: Actor, activist, with legends like Cary Grant. Who worked with legends. Gary Cooper. She went against her Southern family and spoke up against racism, segregation, including the likes of Strom Thurmond. Tallulah Bankhead versus Strom Thurmond.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, once again, I like I, I was telling you before, Kevin, there's uh, some people that would not get canceled.
0: Catherine Cornell, actress, writer, producer, her, her success in Lucree, landed her on the cover of Time on December 26, 1932. She went on to perform in Romeo and Juliet with Basil Rathbone when the last time Shakespeare had been performed was Hamlet with John Barrymore 12 years earlier in New York. Ethel Waters, aka Ethel Howard, and Sweet Mama Stringbean frequently performed jazz, swing, gospel, and pop music on the Broadway stage in concerts. She began her career in the 20s singing the blues with notable hits like Diana. Stormy Weather, Am I Blue, Heat Wave, Cabin in the Sky, and others. First African-American to perform uh, her own television show, and the first African-American woman to be nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award, and the second to be nominated for an Academy Award. Not bad. Nice work. During the 20s, she was involved in romantic relationships with Ethel, with dancer Ethel Williams. The two were dubbed the two Ethels and lived together in Harlem. She is the great aunt, in case you were wondering, with the name Waters, of Crystal Waters 100%. That's awesome. Helen Hayes, American actress whose career spanned 80 years. She eventually received the name first lady of American theater along with Catherine Cornell and was one of 16 people to be an EGOT winner mm, all right. and first person to win the triple crown of acting. She preferred stage to screen acting the annual Helen Hayes award, which has recognized excellence in performance in professional theater in greater Washington, DC, since 1984, is her namesake.
1: That's a pretty nice namesake.
0: Billy Rose, lyricist and theatrical showman, but Rose may best be known today by the husband of comedian Fanny Bryce. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk more about her in another podcast as well. Following the 1939 World's Fair helped give an early break to Gene Kelly and
1: everything like connected. history is just
0: yeah, George right? White American theatrical and film producer director who is also an actor choreographer composer dancer dramatist lyricist screenwriter as well as Broadway theater owner started his own version of Zigfield Follies called scandals wasn't as good Catherine Hepburn Hollywood leading lady span more than 60 years, known for her headstrong independence and spirited personality, along with wearing trousers. As a child, Hepburn joined her mother on several votes for women demonstrations. Catherine
1: Hepburn was mentioned in the, fi- the original film?
0: So, yes, in the 1933 film. Cause so there, like like, like yeah.
1: Ginger can't escape Catherine, huh? No. <laughs>
0: yeah, she is one of the lights that lights up on the board and the the Broadway kind of scene when oh, yeah. when yeah. And then lastly, but certainly not least, we have Fred Astaire. American actor, dancer, singer, choreography and television presenter. widely considered the greatest popular music dancer in history, along with Ginger Rogers. They were the hit Fred and Ginger with gems like Swing Time, which we did watch, Top Hat, Shall We Dance. Fred's father was born in Linz, Austria, to Jewish parents who had converted to Roman Catholicism. There's that Catholic church again. Fred studied piano at the Guildhall School of Music alongside his friend and colleague, Noel Coward, who was also secretly gay. In 1932, he starred in The Gay Divorcee, both the stage production and the movie. We've definitely
1: uh, uh, learned a lot about like uh, uh, how uh, 42nd Street came about and like uh, it sort of impacts on uh, um, singing in the rain. And we've also learned how all these artists were able to sort of go beyond the restrictions of the Hays Code and really try to continue to pursue their art and tell the story that they wanted to. Uh, That being said, I'm really excited that this means that we finally will be able to move on
0: to singing in the the rain. rain.
1: So I hope you folks are really excited about that. I guess until then, I'm Chris. And I'm Kevin. Uh, Thank you for joining us for Talking Musical History Podcast, and we'll see you again soon.
0: Thank you again for joining us and learn from history. Learn from our story
1: we love performance and you know it's true love to study musicals it's the passion that we do come and hear our podcast stream and yes we worked real hard to cobble this song this week's podcast theme hear us talk of our story exploring broadway films with both highs and lows with dancers blistered feet little fluff stuff from an era innocent and beat hidden meanings far right leanings who rule the industry (gasps) the The gop we're side by pride we're glorified where education drives the listeners to talking Musical Musical.
0: history.